Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Welcome, everybody. This is In Conversations with Chana. I'm Chana Weisberg, editor of thejewishwoman.org. We thought in honor of Gimel Tammuz, we would do a special kind of interview recordings with some of the staff from Chabad.org. What's the why? What makes them tick? What makes them wake up every morning and actually come to work and be a part of Chabad.org? I'm joined today with Yaakov Ort, who is the editor of the news site on Chabad.org. Welcome, Yaakov. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. It's a really delight. It's a delight to be here. Thank you. So, Yaakov, why don't you start with, I mean, before we get into your work at Chabad.org, and let, let's start a little bit with, with you. Tell us a little about yourself, about your journey, about how you got to the Rebbe, about how you got to observance, observant Judaism. L- give us a little intro about the man behind that name, Yaakov Ort, that we see on so many articles on Chabad.org. Okay, well, I... Um... I, I grew up in the in the Sheepshead Bay section of, of Brooklyn, and here I am speaking to you from the center of Jerusalem, Israel. Wow. And so when you talk about transitions, how I got from there to here um, is really a pretty amazing journey for me. Um, it is amazing. And, and, and I, you know, I grew up in a secular Jewish family. Um, my, my dad was a veteran of World War II. Um, I, I, most of the people that I knew when I was growing up with, were Jewish uh, in Brooklyn. But throughout my entire childhood and through my teenage years uh, and into college even, um, I never knew a single Orthodox Jewish person. Um, they just, we didn't cross paths. We didn't have anything. I, there was nothing negative about it. I just didn't have anything to do with them. And people were in the black hats and the white shirts and everything like that. And with the, with the payas and the beards, it was like, okay, you know, um, you know, they're Jews, but no interaction whatsoever. So it's um, interesting because you grew up in New York. So it's right. There's a lot of religious Jews there, but you didn't interact yeah. with them at all. Right. 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 And, you know, and, and you see the same thing playing up here in Israel where a sure. person can, you know, can be a religious Jew and never come in contact, contact, real contact with a secular Jew and vice versa. It's not because of any enmity or anything like that. It's just that, OK, you've got your thing. I've got my thing. And they're different things. So my just thing was very... Yeah. So my thing was just like being a, you know, nice Jewish college bound kid in Brooklyn. I think like 90 percent of the graduating class of my high school went on to college. Um, uh, I went to Columbia, uh, Columbia University in New York, um, got in there. um, And this was in 1969, which was sort of like the height of like political turmoil and hippies and everything like that. And I was right in the middle of that, you know. Um, so, and, and this is an important part of my journey that, um, you know, I don't want to put any labels on what I was in college, but, you know, I was definitely a person like a lot of my, my friends who really believed that there was some, there needed to be something different. There needed to be something more, you know, some of the people called it the, the dawning of the age of Aquarius or whatever it was that we really felt that we were poised on, on that, that we were, that something different, that something different was happening in the world and something much better was happening in the world. So there and, was like a and, certain idealism, a certain quest absolutely. for more? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, so, I mean, what, what happened was long personal family story, but, you know, I, I, I didn't have a scholarship and problems came up with tuition and I basically needed a job. So I was looking through the Sunday New York Times for a job and I saw an ad to be an office boy at the New York Times. Okay, so I, I, yeah. I answered the ad. I figured, okay, I'll work and I'll, I'll, and I'll go to school. Um, and so I applied for the job at the New York Times. This mm-hmm. is in April of 1971. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, the interviewer really kind of really liked me. And she said, well, can you start? Uh, we, we need to do a background check on you. Can you can you start next week? And I said, fine. And she didn't tell me this when I showed up at work. Uh, it t- and, You know, you're going to be an office boy. It turned out that my personal boss was the chairman and publisher of, of the Times, uh, Arthur Oak Salzberg. And I was his personal golfer. Oh, wow. um, and, and, you know, in the executive offices and, you know, got to like, you know, like everybody and everybody liked me. And then after a year, they asked me, do you want to go to the business side? Do you want to go to the news side? And the news side seemed a little bit more interesting. So or a lot more interesting. So I said, OK, news. But I didn't have any like particular desire to get into journalism. Um, but, you know, but that's where fate took me. That's where Hashkoch now, now understand to be Hashkoch Akratis, uh, divine providence, you know, took me. And, and like, yeah, and I, I moved in with roommates on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and basically lived the life of a, you know, young professional in his early 20s. And whatever idealism I had in college was gone. <laughs> it's like gone. You know, it just and I just got into this whole culture of, you know, he who died, you know, that that life is a game and he or she who dies with the most toys wins the game. That's the whole thing. So it was a a very materialistic kind of life. Very materialistic, very get ahead. Climbing, climbing the career ladder. Very, very, yeah, yeah, climbing the, but not just climbing the career, career matter as much as just like, getting the most stuff, having the most fun, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. people who were like obsessed with their careers, even that was, well, no, 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 you're not getting it right. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to have fun, fun, you know, okay. you're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to, you know, get, you know, get as much pleasure, like I said, with the toys, get as much pleasure and acquisitions and material yes. stuff as you can out of life. And, you know, were you, that were you happy it. that, were you happy with that? Was that satisfying? Uh, no, no, I, I, I really wasn't. And I tried really hard. I, I worked really hard at it, you know, at having a good time and, you know, appeared worked, to succeed. You worked hard at, at work or you worked hard at having fun? Both. both? Well, but the, 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 the having a good time much more than at work. Right. So, um, so why, so were, any, why weren't, why weren't you happy with that? Like what was, what was the feeling that you were feeling? Well, coming from. Well, let's put it this way. At the time, I simply felt empty, right? But I had no idea why I was feeling empty. Empty. Um, and 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 I've later learned, you know, that I, I've later learned why I felt so empty and, and why I wasn't really happy. And the reason was very simple, which is that the only way to, that, that being happy is not about feeling good. It's about doing good. And mm-hmm. not as, but truly, truly, 
That's a that great. That's a, a great sentence. A person, a person is only truly happy inside when they've done good for other people and so done true. good in the world. So what changed? Like what? Where? How did you go from that? From this empty life, just seeking toys and just seeking fun, to a life of more meaning. What? Okay. What changed? Like what sparked okay. your interest? Um, basically, that I, you know, my whole life crashed. That happens to a lot of people. You know, I got married. I had a son. I I bought a house out on Long Island, and um, and then that fell apart, and the marriage fell apart, and all of that stuff. And and I was just like, uh, I was just looking around. I didn't I didn't mm -hmm. like really. There was not, nothing in particular that I was looking for. Um, and so here, so my story, I guess, is connected to newspapers. I never realized this. At first, there was the ad in the New York Times that got me on that. And then I saw an ad in, uh, in, in the Village Voice newspaper in New York uh, for a weekend, uh, a weekend in Crown Heights. And, uh, and I had, there, there's a backstory. All right, so let me give the backstory. One day, I'm walking down 47. I'm working at the Times, working on the National News. That's the Times. So I'm walking down 47th Street in, uh, in 46th or 7th Street in Manhattan. And some kid comes up to me and says, are you Jewish? Uh, and I say, yeah. And he said, did you put on tefillin today? And I said, of course. You know, why? I haven't put on tefillin since my bar mitzvah. You know, so like, but I'm not going to admit that I haven't put on tefillin. Right. So he said, oh, okay, great. And he gave me a flyer with, uh, for, for Brengen with a picture of the Rebbe. It's this famous black and white picture of the Rebbe where his head is sort of like at an angle. And, and I loved the picture. I had no idea where it was. I loved the picture. I thought it was so cool. And I brought it back to me. I brought, why, brought it wait, back to why, me. Wait, why did you think it was so cool? Like, what did you I like about it? I don't know. It just, it just resonated with something. This is inside. like a really, this is a really cute guy. This is like, yeah. I don't know. It was like just, cool. it was totally positive, totally right. positive. So we used to have at our desks the, these plexiglass stuff. You know, at that time, you smoked at your desk. You, you know, literally, people drank at their desk. You know, you, you, there was everything. So I had this plexiglass with all the sort of nicotine stains on it. And under it, we would have like phone numbers and things like that. There wasn't email yet. You know, there weren't mm -hmm. none of that. Right. So, so I put the Rebus picture under my class. Right. And just because, again, people came over and said, who's the rabbi? And I said, I don't know. It was a cool guy. And, and, <laughs> and he, and, and so that thing was like under my desk for at least a year. Wow. Um, okay. So, so I answered, so, so I saw the ad in the village voice and, and I said, okay, I need something different. My wife, my ex-wife and I had split up and, uh, you know, I needed some kind of, some kind of, I figured it's something spiritual, something Jewish, something different. Because Did you realize that the two groups were connected? Like when you saw that much ad? No, no, you didn't no, realize that no. that was with the Rebbe at all. You just had no, the picture. No. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and, and um, so I went and I was so, so, I, so it was for a Shabbaton weekend, a Pagisha weekend in Crown Heights. And, and I was so like out, out of it Jewishly. Didn't even occur to me that I should bring a yarmulke. I didn't own a yarmulke, right? right? Or even occur to me that I should need one if I'm going with, you know, sure. to a weekend like this. So they saw me with that yarmulke. Somebody handed me a yarmulke, um, and I, I really, 
I stayed with a family in Crown Heights and I really liked them. I, I just really felt, you know, I, 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 I was sleeping literally on the, on the sofa in the living room. Why, <laughs> but that's where I was. And, and, but it was like such a cute family. And like, I was just really, they were really nice people. And I began and, and met some other people that weekend who were people like me, sort of like, you know, I mean, I'm called Bali Chuba, but, you know, sort of college educated, you know, just like people like that who had adopted this lifestyle. And I was very, very curious. So the next day was, was a Febrengen and, and Rabbi, Rabbi Shmulu, who, who is a very, very well-known rabbi uh, in London, was at the, at the Bidisha. He was one of the participants. And he basically took me personally under his wing. And he mm. brought me, so we all went, everybody who was there, were probably about close to 100 people on the weekend, I think. And we all went to the Febrengen together. And guess who was there? The guy from my from under my desk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know. Wow. And uh, well, I actually knew that the night before because I saw the, the Rebbe's picture on the wall. But in any case, it was like really great. Wow. Well, okay, you're right. That must have been a big surprise. Wow. And it was really, it was really, really, it was, it, it was great. It was, and it was great to see them. And and Rabbi Lou was very, you know, he was saying, look, calm. You know, there's a lot of like crowd dynamics going on here so like be prepared for it and don't you know just like just take it take it in take it all in, in. in your in your right right just take it in and um and and the fact that look so so this was this was shabbos parsha shmos in uh in in uh mem which is 1986 uh and i, I just you know and this had a lot to do with it. So when I saw when I saw the Rebbe, I had again having worked for the New York Times at this point, I guess for about fifteen years. Yeah, it was fifteen years at this point. Um, I had known a lot of people, and I'd known a lot of leaders. I'd known a lot of political leaders. You know, I kind of hobnobbed with, you know, and and the Rebbe was. I just it, subjectively, subjectively, I felt. That he that here I'm in the presence of a human being of a different order. Now this was not because anybody told me about this. This was not because of any. It was just something that I internally perceived. Okay, that something that people that friends of mine who had like been to India, you know, told me. You know, would come back and people would sometimes come back and say, "Man, it was like unbelievable. I just like was with this holy man." Hmm. You know, and and you know. And these are people I respected, and I believed them. I didn't have a great desire to like travel to India and and meet a holy man myself, but I knew that I, you know, I believed that that's what they experienced, mm -hmm. and that's what I experienced in the Rebbe. That for the first time in my life, that I was in the presence of a truly holy individual, whatever that meant, whatever that meant, and that, um, and that that was something. But there was also about the Rebbe, I also experienced a real kind of grandfatherliness. I mean, on a very personal level, you mm -hmm. know, a, a real warmth, I just like a very, it's not just like this standoffish guru kind of thing, quite the opposite, just a, a but a rabbi, you know, I mean, a real rabbi, you know, that, that, and <laughs> And there was a point where, you know, you made L'chaims with the Rebbe and, and, and I made a L'chaim and the Rebbe looked straight at me and gave me this big smile. I mean, it's really big, like instant smile. And I felt like I put my finger in an electric socket. I mean, it was like, yeah. really, it was, it was just, 
you know, I'm just being honest. This was like, again, nobody had prepped me for this or anything like that. It was just what I experienced. And I was, you know, and I was just like very, it's the whole experience just very, very much moved me that this is very much something that I want to find out more about. So how did you get to Chabad.org and what inspires you today? Um, okay, so how did I get to Chabad.org? Um, I... Uh, I retired. I retired from the Times after after 35 years there, uh, and it sort of worked out that yeah, it was just right to do. And I went to. I was immediately recruited to work at Yeshiva University uh, as deputy communications director and editor in chief for the university. Uh, and you know, I was there for about a year. And and just my wife said to me, "You want to go to Israel?" So now, so uh, hold on. You're now remarried. You, you're married. Now remarried, right? Now remarried. You know, my living my, an observant my, my, life, a Hasidic life. Living an observant, living right. Living right. How how much did you want to fast forward? Right. Yeah. So okay. so yeah. So from within, it was interesting because from that first weekend, you know, things moved very. Let me let's go back a little bit. Things moved very very fast, right? I decided okay after I. You know, let me move in. Let me move into the neighborhood. I'm not religious. I don't believe in God or anything like that. But let me be like a cultural anthropologist. That you like the only way he's going to understand the natives is by putting the ring in his nose and banging on the drum right. along with everybody else. So, so let me let me do that. And then and then I said, okay, well, this is really something that I want. And then I said, well, okay, you know, maybe I'll get married. And then I ended up getting meeting my meeting my wife, who's now we're married for 35 years. Um, and, she's lo- she's uh, lovely. I know her. She's lovely. <laughs> I know her from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your 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 father, she looked me well, was Masada Kedushin at our oh, wedding. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, you know, it's like, you know, this. Yeah. So and then we we started. You know, we moved to Crown Heights. Dragged her down from you know from a nice suburb in Toronto to <laughs> Crown Heights. <laughs> Era. <Erica did. laughs> and, uh, Anyway, so, yeah, so, you know, we, we built a Jewish home. We lived in Crown Heights for about three, four or five years until uh, 1992, and then we moved to, to, to the Muncie area um, and, yeah, and raised a, raised a family there. I, my, you know, career proceeded. Um, and, uh, you know, then I retired from the Times and had a nice pension and severance and all of that stuff, but in my show, I was keeping university. But then decide, you know, my wife said, you want to go to Israel? Our, our kids were all out of the house at different points at different schools. My son was in, in a yeshiva in Minnesota. My younger daughter was in uh, seminary in Sfat. So we said, okay, we'll go to, go to Israel for a year. Hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we, we moved here and, and it was, you know, it was, it was good. It was, it was financially rocky. We built our home. Um, I ended up having to work again. I thought I was going to be able to be retired, and then after I built my place, and that that was no longer no longer possible. And doing different things, and um, I, I started to uh, work for JLI. Um, actually, I'd been working that before we came here, and I founded their Torah Studies um, uh, program, where you cr- we created weekly classes for rabbi for Chabad rabbis around the world. I did that for about four years. Um, and did other uh, JLI courses. 
and and then sort of that you know that that ran out and started doing consulting work and one day somebody called me and said would you like to there's i was doing communications consulting uh and doing executive executive communications consulting and i got a call from somebody saying you know there's uh there's a certain rabbi in the United States who's in a bit of a fix and we need some kind of PR writing work done mm -hmm. and ended up working with some of the people who, who run Chabad.org. Um, uh, and after a few months, uh, they called and they said, would you like to come work for us? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, as long as I can work from right here. <laughs> um, so tell us a little uh, about what, what you do now for Chabad.org. What is okay. your position? My my main well, a number of things that I do. Uh, my main job is I'm news editor, which we publish hundreds of of, of news stories a year uh, about about you know Chabad Lubavitch uh, uh, Shluchim and centralized organizations and the good works that they do throughout the course of the year. Uh, we actually just won uh for american jewish press association simon rockauer awards for excellence mm. in journalism wow. which uh, for 2022 that was mm. just announced a couple of weeks ago um so we do a lot of good work we do serious journalism that's my background and mm -hmm. it was something that i tried to bring to 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 chabad.org that not just simply like rewriting press releases but actually having engaging stories that you know, that really motivate people, you know, that that motivate them to want to participate more in 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 Chabad uh, and, and, and be influenced in a positive way by Chabad. And the whole thing about, you know, going to Chabad centers, learning Hasidus, attending events, doing all of these things because of their, you know, what they read. Can you give us some okay. teaching from the Rebbe that inspires you, that keeps you, that, that you feel like something that you learned from the Rebbe that still is with you every day or on a regular basis? Yes. Um, two things. One is pretty usual and one is not so usual in my, in my experience. The first thing is, is, is the, Rebbe, the Rebbe taught in Sefer, think good and it will be good. The whole idea of of having a, a consistently positive vision that no matter what's going on, that just to like know in your heart of hearts that that it's good, that the outcome is good and it will be revealed as good at some point. And to just like, don't worry, just like mm -hmm. just do just like mm -hmm. it's OK. But but you have to think good that that's your that's your job mm -hmm. that. And that, and that's the what we call the avoda. That's the service. That's the work. It's the right. actually big sure. good, and it's really hard work. But when you do, boy, does it pay off, right? Yeah. On a personal level. Um, the the other thing is is you know when when I was living in Crown Heights, you know, people talk about all these different mitzvahs that the Rebbe came up with, and 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 the importance of of them. There's one that is publicized less than most but which has had a real the most important impact on me which was this whole idea of that a person should have a mashpia a person should have a spiritual guide who you consult who you talk to who you that you're not just like it's not just all happening in your head 
but somebody who's a spiritual, you know, a spiritual person who, and it's different. It's not like a psychiatrist or, a, you know, or, or, or just therapist. a plain friend mm-hmm. or a therapist or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's a rabbi or a rebbitin or something like that, you know, that who, who, you, who, who really understands Judaism, who understands Hasidic philosophy, who understands the teachings of the Rebbe and, and, it, and it lives them, mm-hmm. lives them, and who you can go to without judgment, where you know mm-hmm. they're not judging you, they're not, whatever you say, you know, it's like, well, here's my advice. And, and, and get that advice. And that has been a key to um, whatever success I've experienced in life mm-hmm. on any level. So you speak, that, you speak to your mentor, your spiritual mentor, your must be regularly, and you've seen a yes. difference. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. A different, yeah, different parts of my life. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every day, all the time. I don't do anything without asking. Wow. I don't. Uh, because left to my own devices. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, so the no, young. I mean, there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. So the the young Yaakov, who you know in his twenties, who was looking for that connection and that meaning in life, would you say you found it? Oh, totally. You see, that's the whole thing. That. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily in love with every aspect of Torah Judaism all the time, but I'm absolutely convinced that particularly, you know, Torah Judaism, Halacha, and Chassidus is like the answer. You know, they're, they're, that it really is, you know, in my opinion, it really, really is. At least it's just my subjective feeling, understanding that, you know, we didn't go into it, but I'm, also, I, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of other spiritual paths, and I make it I made it my business to be spiritual, to be understanding about other, understanding of other spiritual paths, because in a whole other thing, I, I counsel people um, who are involved in other spiritual paths, and and yeah, you know, to and me, what, it's, you know, and what do you feel it gives you that Torah Judaism Hasidus gives you that those other paths did not? That threefold connection, connection, a, a real connection to God, a real connection on a very positive way to nature, to people, uh, and to to me, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to the real authentic Yaakov that's, you know, that's inside and that just needs to be revealed. Wow, beautiful. Okay. Yaakov, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving okay. us a little glimpse behind the name, Yaakov Ort. When people see your name right. on the news articles, they'll know who who the man behind it is, and giving us a little glimpse about your what pushes you every day to do what you do. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for joining us and for your contributions on Chabad.org. It's been a pleasure.